Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us for Church Online today. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I'm excited to continue with you our Blueprints series. Now, listen, I'm at Impact Fairfax, and this church is over 100 years old. Mount Pleasant acquired this campus on July 1st of 2018. I was here that Sunday morning preaching. It's been incredible to see what has happened in this place over the last two years. A few months after we acquired this church, we hired Andrew Fillmore to come and be the pastor here, and he quickly assembled a strategy and a team to reach this community. Now, this community probably looks a little bit different than the community that you're a part of. It's about 60% Hispanic, 30% African American, and only about 10% Caucasian. But the church is growing, and they are making a difference in this community. From their community outreach to their after-school program to the food pantry, they're truly doing incredible things and reaching a lot of people. You know, as the coronavirus shut down the city, Fairfax had to make a shift in their strategy. And they started operating a drive-through pantry. And so literally every week, about 45 families come through, drive through in their cars, and they get food for their family for the rest of the week. And then they give about 160 hot meals out to individuals during that time. They're making a huge difference. One of the biggest differences that has happened is when Andrew and his family moved into the neighborhood. Uh, talking to Andrew, he told me that it was a game changer in how they did ministry. Now, I want you to think about that and think about this for a second. Have you ever had a moment in your life that you remember that, that just changed everything? It just changed everything. Maybe it was a major world event. Maybe it was uh, something bad that happened, a traumatic experience, or maybe it was when you met somebody. Whatever it was, can you think of a time that maybe something happened and everything changed? For me, that, one of those moments was at my church when I was a junior in high school. And this guy named Jason French came and talked at a youth event at our church. And Jason French is now the president of CIY. That's Christ and Youth. It's the summer conference that we send our middle school and our high school kids on. Well, during a normal summer at least. But back then, Jason was just a regular old youth pastor. Nothing special about those type of guys. But he came to our church and that night, that night he preached a message that changed my life. He came into our church and he preached, and I recognized for the very first time what God was doing and stirring in my heart. And that night, because of what he preached, I committed my life to ministry. Now, Jason preached a message about the saving grace of Jesus Christ and how it is available for every single person. That message lit something inside of me that made me want to go into ministry. Why do I remember that? Why is that something that's etched in my brain all these years later? It's because I believe that preaching can change people's lives. It really can. Now, I'll be honest with you. I grew up with a great minister. His name's Steve White. He's the, he's the pastor at Plainfield Christian Church, has been for the past 30 years. And Steve is a great Bible teacher. He, he starts all of his sermons with a joke. I can always remember that and appreciate that, even though they sometimes were corny. Let's be honest, they were, they were usually corny. But I always appreciated it, and I always loved it, and I always took a lot from his sermons because he is a Bible preacher. Much like what we do here at Mount Pleasant, he teaches the text. And I always felt challenged listening to him preach. And I wonder, how many of you, how many of us can think of a time that the preaching of God's Word has changed you? It's shaped you. It's, it's changed the way that you think. It's changed the way that you behave. Can, can you think of a time 
where the preaching of God's Word has shaped who you are. Hearing God's Word preached should change you. It, it should change you. It can change you. One of the things that we realized as Chris and Andrew and I talked about this series and, and kind of shaped it out, we recognize that the preaching of God's Word is so important. That the things that the church can't go without, the essential things, the blueprints of the church, what makes a church healthy. As we studied, we quickly realized that the preaching of God's Word can't go away. It never stops. It will never stop. And you can throw a healthy church out the window if you don't have God's Word preached. It's the foundation of the blueprint. The preaching of God's Word is what everything else is built on. So what I want to do today is to quickly show you three things today about preaching that we can see from the New Testament. And then I want to finish by spending the rest of our time just talking about some practical ways to make preaching a better part of your life. The first idea is from Jesus. Now, at this point in Jesus's life, he's gaining a lot of followers. People are just attracted to him because he's teaching, he's healing people, he's driving demons out of people. People are just coming out of everywhere to see Jesus. But in this moment, he gets away from the crowd, and he has some quiet time. So I want to read it to you. It's from Mark chapter 1, and here's what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Okay, so here's what I see from this text right away, is that Jesus recognized preaching was his mission. Maybe you've heard this word before, because we've talked about this in church, but this, this word preach that we see in the text is very common. It's this word keruso. And it means to herald or proclaim, to preach or announce a message publicly with conviction and persuasion. It's the idea idea here that preaching implies that there is a message that is important to tell, and it's important to tell it with passion. That is preaching, and that is why Jesus says he has come. Now, I wonder if you've ever had a time where you've asked that question. Why am I here? Have you ever had a moment where you've just been somewhere and you've said, man, what am I doing here? I can remember very vividly one of those moments for me. It it was several years ago. It was on my first mission trip that I've taken to the Dominican Republic. And our church partners with an organization called Casas por Cristo. They build houses for people that are in need. And our church has been partnering with them for a while. And we've been sending teams down there to build a house and to bless a family and at one of those trips, one of the local pastors asked if we could bring down some students to do a sports camp. And so we did. And there was one of these trips where I showed up and we were doing the whole sports thing and our kids were having a great time. But in the middle of the week, I was a little discouraged. I was. It wasn't anything other than the fact that I felt like we were just wasting our time. And that may sound a little harsh, but listen, we couldn't speak Spanish very well. We couldn't carry on a meaningful conversation uh, or have a meaningful relationship with those people in such a short time. We're just throwing around wiffle balls and doing crafts and having fun with kids. And I just wondered in that moment, I said, what, what are we doing here? Like, what am I doing here? I just felt like we were wasting our time. 
I remember sitting at a table with Rob Weisbach, and I don't know if you know Rob, but he's been around our church for a long time. He's like seven feet tall, and he's got this big, booming, commanding voice that when he talks, you listen. He kind of reminds me of Goliath, except he's nice and he doesn't hurt people. But anyways, I was sitting at this table with Rob, and I was just telling him how I felt and telling him what was going on inside of my heart in that moment, and Rob helped me understand the why. It's important for any time you find yourself in a situation like that to understand the why. And this is what he told me. He said, listen, when you show up with 20 Americans with a van full of sporting equipment and gifts and prizes and snacks, people show up. And kids started coming out of their neighborhoods and their communities and walking out of fields. And they they show up in this place and we play with them and we have a great time. But what we've done is created an atmosphere for the church to now present the gospel and to preach to them and to create a relationship with them. And then long after we're gone, because we're only there for a week, long after we're gone, the church now has a relationship with those kids, with their parents, with that neighborhood, because we came. That's that's why we were there. And once I realized the why, everything else made sense. And here, this is, this is what I think is so important. Jesus in this moment, right here in this moment, Jesus shows us why he is there to preach the good news. And the message that Jesus had to preach was important, and it was his mission. When you realize the mission, everything else makes sense. I mean, listen, he's praying, he's spending some time by himself, he's interrupted with this news that everybody's looking for him, but Jesus' response shows the value of preaching. It's one of the reasons that we believe preaching the Word of God is so important, so vital, so integral to the local church. It was the mission of Jesus to explain and talk about the Scriptures and to clarify them and draw people to respond to them. I mean, listen, just think about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. This is what Jesus does. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount, and everything that he said was meant to draw people to action, draw them to action, to to help them see it more clearly, or to help them to live more holy. If Jesus' mission was to preach, why would we ever want to go very long without hearing preaching? It's meant to challenge you to live more like Christ, and since it was his mission to preach, part of our responsibility as followers should also be to hear preaching. A healthy church is filled with people who desire to hear the preaching of God's word, both for the sinner and for the saint. But here's the deal. Jesus left his preaching in the hands of the apostles. He he wasn't there very long, and he left, and after his apostles saw Jesus resurrected, their preaching soon went public, and it became their mission also. But what happened next was their ministry just boomed and it blossomed to something that they couldn't handle all by themselves. So I want to fast forward to you a little bit all the way through the story of Jesus and into the book of Acts as we learn about the first church all the way to Acts chapter 6. This is what it says. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order 
to wait on tables. All right, so listen here. There's actually a lot happening here that I don't have time to explain it all. But what you can see from this example is this. The apostles prioritized preaching. It's not that the other things were not important. It's that there has to be a priority. And the priority for the disciples was the ministry of the word. They wouldn't neglect preaching the word of God in favor of those other things because preaching had the priority. The word neglect actually means to leave behind here in the original language. It's this idea that they couldn't leave this to do that. It's we can't leave the ministry of the preaching of the word of God in order to do something else because there is a priority. You have priorities in your life. You know what that's like. You say no to some things because other things are more important. You teach your kids the importance of priorities. Priorities are a part of life. Listen, not everybody's good at them. <laughs> Let's just be real. Maybe the person next to you or whoever's watching, I don't know. Not everybody's good at priorities, but we know what they are, and we know that they're important. Mark Twain famously said this, to change your life, you need to change your priorities. Maybe a different way of thinking of it. I love how NBA player and MVP Steph Curry says it like this. He grew up in a basketball family, and this is what he said about this one time. He says, we knew sports was important to us and our family, but there are priorities in life. Obviously, faith is foremost. How we did in school is important. If we didn't handle that business, then there were no privileges. Listen, this is honestly why some of you have a hard time and trouble growing closer to God. It's because you don't have your priorities in line when it comes to spiritual things. And I don't want this to sound harsh. I don't want you to take it the wrong way. But I believe some of us need to hear this. We have time for everything else. We have time for the things that we want to do. We have time for social media. You have time to do your morning crossword. You have time to exercise. You have time to watch Netflix or play video games or whatever it is. You make time for the things that you want to make time for. But the question is, does your faith make that list? Is your faith a priority? And does preaching, does hearing preaching regularly make your list of priorities? Now, there was a time that our middle school ministry was meeting during all the services of our church. And I, I would tell you the story, not because he was the only person to do it, but because I saw it. And what that meant was that Mike Sheely, our middle school pastor, didn't regularly make it to church. Uh, he wasn't there. It was because he was leading a ministry, and I know we have a lot of people that do that. But what I noticed is that when I would go into the office on Monday morning, I'd usually find Mike watching the sermon. The very first thing on Monday morning, he's watching the sermon to be fed and to be challenged and to be on the same page as everybody else. He didn't make excuses while I was working or I didn't have time or I was too busy. Yeah, he wasn't there, but he made it a priority to hear the preaching. Do you have that type of priority in your life? So often, we, we forget about these type of things, something that we have to be challenged with. I know that for me, I follow all kinds of different preachers on social media, and sometimes I listen to uh, sermons, or I listen to their sound bites, or I, I find different ways every week to be fed from different places because it's important for me. But when it comes to ministry, preaching is at the very top priority. Preaching is the most important thing. Why? Because it reaches the lost and it challenges the saved. Nothing is more important than preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. The apostles recognized that, and they modeled that 
and their ministry. And listen to me. A healthy church is one who prioritizes preaching. And if you don't prioritize preaching in your life personally, then you are neglecting. You're not allowing God to speak to you in a way that is time-tested, God-ordained. Remember, preaching was the mission that Jesus was on. The, the apostles prioritized it in their lives. We have to make that something that we do as well. The third thing that I want you to see comes from the Apostle Paul. It's from Romans chapter 1, and I want to read this text to you, then I'll talk to you a little bit about it. Here's what it says. I long to see you so that it may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you. Just as I had among the other Gentiles, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Now, this is part of the letter that Paul writes to the house churches in Rome, a place that Paul really, really wanted to visit. And it shows us this, is that Paul desperately wanted to preach to everyone. I mean, he was so eager to preach to those people in Rome. It was the capital. If you think of the history of when Paul wrote this, you know that all these places were living in Roman territory. And Rome, above anybody else, was kind of eager to move Christianity out the door. They were oftentimes the enemy. Now, if you remember in history class, you may remember the term Pax Romana. That was going on during this time. It, it's, the, it's a phrase that means peace in Rome, but it was far from anything like that because in order to achieve that peace, it cost a lot of bloodshed. And when Christianity came on the scene, when Christianity came on the scene, it promoted a style of peace that was different because it preached that Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to salvation. He is the only way to an eternity with God. And quite frankly, that didn't promote peace because it meant everybody else was wrong. And so Christianity was under attack. In fact, a few years after Paul wrote these words, a fire broke out in Rome. And the emperor Nero, he blamed it on the Christians. And they were severely persecuted for this. It got really, really bad for all the Christians that lived in Rome. But Paul, he still wanted to preach to all people. Uh, all the people in Rome, I mean, he eventually does make it there, but he's a prisoner. I love how the story of Acts ends. In fact, if you, you see how Luke wraps up the book of Acts in verse, chapter 28, verse 30, this is what he says. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in Rome in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, I could for, find a bunch more examples in Paul's life that proves this idea, but here's the reality. Paul wanted to preach to everyone because he knew the importance that the message of the gospel carried. But there's this problem that happens. This disease among Christians that, that takes place over time and it develops in all of us sometimes that you begin to be just so concerned about yourself and about what you like, and what makes you happy, and the type of church that you want, and what makes you comfortable, and we forget. We forget that the most important thing of anything is that Christ is preached to everyone. 
A healthy church desperately wants to preach the gospel to everyone. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not interested in being a part of a church that doesn't want to bring the gospel to everyone. I'm just not. Mark Batterson said it like this. If you really believe in the message you're preaching, you want as many people as possible to listen. We're going to talk a lot more about this next week as we continue our Blueprint series. But at some level, we as Christians, we have to have the same attitude. That we want to share the message of the cross because we know the importance that it carries and we know that everyone needs to hear it, whether you call it preaching or not. Now, I want to tell you a story because I remember the very first time that I got to preach a sermon in church. You know, they try to teach you this in college, but it's honestly something that you grow into. My very first sermon, I was 23 years old, and I got up there to preach, and I was done in 13 minutes. And some of you are probably like, man, wait, let's, let's go to church there, right? But, uh, man, I was so nervous. And public speaking is, is hard. It takes some practice to find your level of comfort, right? And I just wasn't there yet. And I remember when I finished, I was like, man, that is the worst sermon ever. But do you know what hasn't changed over the past 11 years that I've been doing this? My heart and my approach. Those are the two things that haven't changed. When I look back on that, that very first sermon that I gave, my approach hasn't changed. My, my method has, but my approach has always been to stay true to the text. And even though it was only 13 minutes long and maybe painful for some people to listen to, I was true to the text. The second thing about this is that my heart has been the same. I truly believe that ever since I was a junior in high school, I so desperately wanted to preach the gospel of hope and truth to people. I became a youth pastor because I truly believe that there is a generation that needs to know a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I desperately wanted to preach that real and genuine relationship to them and help them to see that because I believe that when they grab a hold of that and when they find that, they can change the world. And so that's what I committed my time to. I wanted to preach this Jesus to them, and I don't think I'll ever stop telling people about Jesus. We, we need to be a church that is filled with people who desperately want others to know who Jesus is and will do whatever it takes to help them find that out, even if it means some preaching. Jesus knew preaching was his mission. The apostles prioritized it in their work, and Paul had a passion to preach to everyone. I show you those things because I want you to see and to feel the weight of the importance that the preaching of the Word of God has for a healthy church. When we couldn't meet as a church and, and be inside a building, what didn't stop? The preaching. The preaching of God's Word. It's the foundation of what we're doing, and a healthy church recognizes that. But I want to end our time together talking to you about some practical things to think about when it comes to preaching. So here's some things that can help you uh, to be on the same mindset as we saw as we kind of went through the New Testament here about preaching, how to make this a part of your life. So what should we do? Number one, I, I think that we should do this. We should make sure you are consistently being fed the Word of God with preaching. Now, don't misunderstand this for a quiet time because that's not what I'm saying. That's important and essential to the Christian faith as well. What I'm saying is you should consistently hear preaching and be challenged, motivated, and compelled from God's Word. 
It was Jesus' mission to preach. The apostles prioritized it, and Paul wanted everyone to hear it. You should listen as well. First and foremost, and I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but first and foremost, that means being in church every week, as, as often as you can, as consistently as you can, so you can hear preaching from your local pastor. But in addition, I think there's value in you making sure that you find other ways to hear someone preach or uh, listen to those type of things throughout the week. Listen to the sound bites from the sermon. Be involved in another study where someone's doing this or whatever you can find. If you hear a sermon once a month, throughout the course of a year, you're being motivated and challenged from preaching 12 times. But if you go to church every week and listen to preaching and you find one other way to add something like that in the middle of your week, all of a sudden, over a hundred times throughout the year, you are being challenged, motivated, and compelled in your faith through the preaching of the Word of God. Do you see the difference? Here's the second thing. Make sure you're listening to biblical preaching. Now, there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't rooted in what we would call biblical preaching. So you have to do your homework on the type of things that you're listening to, the type of sermons that you listen to. Uh, one of the things that I was always taught, and this has stuck with me for years, one of the things that I was always taught is to look at this. Does the sermon glorify Jesus? Because if it does, that's where you start. But if it doesn't, if it glorifies the preacher, if it glorifies you, or if it tries to make you feel better, that's often not biblical preaching. It should be aimed at glorifying Jesus. Paul told his young pastor uh, Timothy this. He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. But maybe a better way of understanding it is how Luke recognizes as he's recording the book of Acts. He writes this down on one of Paul's stops. He writes this, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's something that we should all do. I love that verse because it basically takes these people and it recognizes their character. Why? <laughs> because they examine the scriptures of the preacher to make sure he was telling the truth. We should do that as well. We should examine the truth of the people challenging us in preaching. This can be a problem for some people because some people are so easily swayed by the first thing that they hear or a good thing that they hear, but that's not always biblical. We're blessed to be in a church that week in and week out, you are being challenged and you are learning directly from the scriptures. We all should be like the Bereans and take a careful look at what we consume spiritually. The third thing is this, as a, as a, as a closing idea, and this is, honestly, this is the tough one. Make sure you do more than just listen to preaching. This is the main thing. A healthy church cannot be filled with people who just listen to the preacher. It has to be filled with people who hear God's word and do something with it. Listen, you've probably heard this verse before. It's very popular, but James, the own brother of Jesus, clarifies this so well for us when he says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they 
do. What a powerful verse and reminder. And I'll be honest, I'm guilty of this as well. Sometimes I'll listen to a sermon, I go, oh yeah, that was good, and I I don't change anything. Or even worse, sometimes I go, man, I really wish so-and-so was here to hear that. The challenge from God's Word has to change us. If it doesn't, then I'm missing the point. When you hear preaching, it should be followed by doing. But don't misunderstand me. The doing doesn't earn you anything. You don't get any extra things by the doing. The doing is a reflection of a heart that is following after Christ. We cannot be a people that listen to God's Word be preached And then for the rest of the six days of the week, we go on and we don't look any different. There is power in the Word of God. And when you do what it says, you become more like Christ. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Be fed consistently with good biblical preaching and let it change you. Preaching will never stop. It doesn't matter if we have to do it online, if we have to do it from a street corner, or if it has to happen at a discussion table. Preaching will never stop because God's Word lasts forever. The question is, the question for all of us is this, are you going to make it a blueprint for your life to receive good biblical teaching, or are you going to allow other things to fill up your time? That's really what I want you to think about. I pray that this church is recognized as healthy for the way that we handle the Word of God when it's preached and our people are better because of it. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for how you love us. And in this time, this this is strange for me to, to preach about preaching But God, I just pray that you compel us to see the truth of the scriptures today. We recognize that it was important to Jesus, his apostles, to Paul. It's filled throughout our New Testament that the preaching of God's word is an important part of the life of a follower. I pray that you would help us to prioritize it. I pray that you would help us to make it a part of our lives and that we are different because of it. God, thank you for your words. Thank you for the words of scripture that challenge us, that pierce our hearts that make us better, that make us more like Jesus. Give us the courage and the ability to do something with that and to be better because of it. Most importantly, I thank you for Jesus and all that he has done for us, the hope that he gives us, and the way for an eternity made possible because of his death and his resurrection. pray all these things in his name. Amen.